four, three, two, one, and we're back with a long delayed episode that should have come out only about three weeks ago. So I guess um, it's not such a big deal now, is it? Um, today's philosophical contemplation on the propensities of, of life and nature um, is brought to you courtesy of George R.R. R. Martin. Um, see if by any chance you can't guess what, what story I'm talking about um, um, as I'm going to um, start uh, explaining it to you. Um, if you can't, then you definitely need to check out his work because uh, it would be really a shame if anybody lived his life without uh, going through um, or immersing himself in um, in George's uh, universe. In any case, let's get going. So imagine a realm, a rather large realm, a kingdom of sorts, um, ruled by, obviously, a king. Um, the realm is not necessarily the uh, most uh, smoothly run kingdom. It's uh, It has its faults, but um, obviously it's still running um, well enough for some, much better for others, and poorly for the majority. <coughs> still, that's, uh, that's to be expected, especially in, in this kind of stories. And... Uh, it's to be expected given our our history, really. So it's it's no different. It's um, I imagine this is quite familiar to most of us. And if it isn't, um, then um, you perhaps might be interested in um, well um, looking at a bit of history, um, just you know to keep yourselves busy and see if uh, perhaps uh, that might become of some sort of interest to you. In any case. Imagine this wonderful realm um, separated into different uh, regions, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, quite a quite a few of them, um, um, and they they all they were all somehow brought together despite their many cultural differences and despite uh, um, may, the many feuds that uh, uh, had existed between uh, the regions um, throughout their history. Um, well, at this point, I guess it's not incredibly important why um, they feuded, really. Um, but what is important is that the king, sooner or later, as must happen with uh, all kings, dies. Yes, great tragedy. Or not. He was probably, he was probably, a sh well, not probably, he was a shitty king. Um he was mostly too wrapped up in his own self-wallowing in this sort of, uh, um, how should I put it, um, exuberantly drunk sort of way that he was not really the best king. But still, he was a king and he was the rightful king, so to speak, because he won the throne. Um, so... By according to the laws of that realm, um, there's only two ways to be a king, really. And uh, those ways are to inherit it um, or and to be the rightful heir or to win it. And um, 
Obviously, the second might be considered more honorable at, at times, though there, there will be naysayers and people who will remain loyal and faithful to the previous lineage. But still, uh, most people will adhere to the fact that it's a it's an acceptable way of becoming a king, perhaps even more than acceptable. Right, so um, the king dies. So what happens next? Somebody needs to take his place, of course. That's uh, That goes without saying. But who is that going to be? The king has um, sons. Well, supposedly he has sons. Um, un unbeknownst to him, his sons are actually bastards. Well, I don't know if I... If that's right, though, his sons are not really his sons. That's the idea. Um, the queen um, never, never really became pregnant with him. Um, she, was, she became pregnant with another man, and therefore those are not his sons. And yes, since they were, you know, conceived out of wedlock, then they would um, formally, so to speak, uh, conventionally considered bastards, but that's not the point. Um, but he also has brothers. He's got brothers, um, two of them, as far as I remember, yeah, he's got two brothers, and uh, those brothers, um, if it were to become known that uh, um, the his sons were bastards and they were not his uh, true-born sons, then one of the brothers would inherit the throne, um, obviously. So the story um, goes on along these lines, really. Um, the king dies, and um, there is um, one of the one of the king's friends, close friends, his only real friend, um, happens to find out about the queen's infidelity and uh, the uh, shocking consequences. Um, of her infidelities, um, and um, obviously he will. He wants to inform the king, but uh, the the king uh, becomes uh, uh, mortally wounded, uh, and uh, on his deathbed he doesn't have the heart to say it. But um, the king does, of course, um, instruct his uh, best friend, who is also the, uh, the hand of the king. So I mean, I, if you need any more clues, uh, I've I've been. Completely explicit. I mean, you can't miss what uh, the story, what the story really is. But in any case, um, and in which book it was written. Um, so the king instructs um, uh, his friend, who's the hand of the king, um, to write, um, well, sort of an official document in which he um, he, uh, he says that he the throne should go to um, his. Uh, to his uh, children, um, to his uh, firstborn son, but uh, but until his firstborn son comes of age, he names the hand of the king protector of the realm, and so on and so forth. Obviously, um, uh, the hand of the king, knowing the truth about his uh, past, about his sons not being his trueborn sons, um, uh, well changes the wording um, in the document um, and instead of uh, naming his firstborn son he simply writes the rightful heir to the throne so long um, there's there's a bunch of developments there there's a lot of interesting things that happen and so on and so forth and i'm sure you guys are, are 
totally familiar with uh, with the plot, uh, uh, most of you. Um, since this is such a, a well-known story, um, or storyline at least. And um, what, uh, what happens next is that um, through um, a variety of consequences, of circumstances, I'm sorry, um, his first, his first trueborn son, allegedly, um, since nobody else finds out that those people, that uh, those boys uh, are not his sons, um, his first trueborn son becomes the king, actually, um, instead of his uh, his brother. Um, like I said, he had two brothers, um, and uh, one of them was older, so obviously um, he was uh, supposed to be the king rightfully by according to the laws of the realm, once again. Um, so he was the rightful king from that perspective. Now, the thing to mention here is that, well, this brother of his was well unliked by everyone else. I don't think I've ever used that expression before, well unliked, but, and I don't know if a lot of people have actually used it, but he was, um, if not disliked, um, avoided at best and at worst well I'm not gonna go there in any case nobody truly liked him but not because he was a mean person he was actually an incredibly just person though in a very rigid way I, you would say perhaps not rigid but a bit um, less than humane not, again, not in the sense that he was inhumane, simply in the sense that he was just to the point of extremes, of absolutes. So um, that affected people, um, especially, uh, as you can imagine, the land was ruled by people who were not necessarily um, so so much deep. Well, debauchery was not necessarily the only thing on their mind, but it was, uh, in some ways, uh, uh, part of their lifestyles. And they had become corrupted by a bunch of a variety of different things, most of them. And they all have had their uh, power games uh, and scheming going on. Uh, so, obviously, uh, that played a part there. He was a just man. But as his brother called him um, before they fought, the brother, the other brother of the king I'm talking about, he was, um, he was rigid, charmless, and a bore. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful description because he was hard as stone in many ways, um, which is an admirable quality, um, though... When you take it to such an extreme, um, like everything, it becomes um, an absolute. And um, absolutes uh, basically mean in the end that there is, no, um, there is no balance. And where there is no balance, chaos thrives and bad things happen despite the, your best intentions. And despite anything else that um, you might have thought you would bring into being. So he was rigid, um, charmless, and an absolute bore. But he was just, and he was right in the way he treated people. He did not, um, he was not overly impressed with uh, with people's um, 
legends or titles. I mean, the legend of a person or their titles or um, their status or anything like that. Uh, and he judged them um, for their true worth. But at the same time, um, he did not necessarily truly um, care for anybody um, or even admire anybody um, too much. He was so hard. Uh, his heart was, had been so petrified in so many ways by this idea of just justness, I would say, of the just taken to an extreme, because this is not about justice. It's about being just all the way and fair and impartial um, all the way. And like he says, um, the truth cuts both both ways. Um, he, he couldn't truly necessarily admire or care anybody, care for anybody. Um, it's also, you know... Uh, the, the way he had been treated by his brother and a bunch of other things. But he always did what was expected of him and he always did the right things. Which also meant that uh, if somebody um, misbehaved, so to speak, or made a mistake or did something that he wasn't supposed to, um, he would be punished, no doubt about that. Um, and he would not... Um, he was not very much interested in um, the high life, so to speak. He was not very much interested in any of those uh, parties and um, uh, luxurious uh, feasts or just uh, luxuries in general. And therefore, a lot of the people um, who, you know, the nobility, so to speak, a lot of the um, sirs, a lot of the, the knights, well, Perhaps not so much, but uh, um, a lot of the ladies of the court and uh, ladies and the men of the court did not necessarily, uh, were not, so to speak, exuberant about the idea of uh, having him around. And the people who actually held the power did not like him uh, in any uh, real way or wish him to be king. But once again, he was a just person and he would have done the right things. Though taken to some extreme, he would have done the right sort of thing. Now, instead of him, instead of him, we got um, as a king uh, his so-called firstborn son, who was not really his son, but as I've explained before. And what came to pass was that, truthfully speaking, um, Though he had been a true, a, a truly dreadful king, um, his son was about four times worse than him. I would say, in my humble appreciation, um, simply because he was incompetent, stupid, cruel, villainous, vile—whatever you want to call it. Um, And uh, envious, and as many um, greedy, uh, yeah, meek, weak, as many of such um, these adjectives as you would like to, um, well, add to his uh, add to the list, really, because um, his um, his uh, legacy was really that. That's all he was. And he he tortured people 
um, and he did dreadful things. Um, the people of the capital uh, revolted against him. Um, there were many dreadful things that happened. He was surrounded by incredibly capable um, and competent people and people who had been running uh, the kingdoms for so long. And he was their complete opposite, really. And uh, due to them, he was able to to quell um, rebellions in different parts of the realm that otherwise would have um, destroyed him utterly um, in a heartbeat. And, um, well, he didn't actually do anything. He basically uh, moaned and wailed around and uh, gave some orders and pretended to be courageous. But uh, when the time came, he um, fled the battle scene to uh, hide under mummy's skirts. Well, not really under her skirts, but at, at, at her advice, truly. And so on and so forth. So he was um, an utter coward among many other things. Um, so truthfully, uh, his reign, um, which came to an abrupt end, thankfully, because I don't know how much people would have been able to take such a story. <laughs> it would have really disheartened a lot of people and um, uh, most likely put off people from actually continuing with this uh, this story. Um, his reign came to a sudden end, but he had caused a lot of damage in the meantime. Yet he was a boy. He was fair to look at. Um, he seemed to be, well, rather interesting and strong and smart. Not necessarily seen, but he acted like it. He was very cocky and uh, uh, he was conceited, uh, haughty in many ways. Um, he was egotistic. Um, so um, he... But he was liked and he had the support of his mother and he had the, so who was, you know, the queen regent anyway, and um, uh, who had the support of uh, the strongest people in, um, in the realm, really. So now he became king and there were a lot of um, horrible things that happened. Now, the person, who, the other person who could have become king, except for the hand of the king who was supposed to act as the protector of the realm until the rightful heir came or revealed himself or was found or anything like that. So he wouldn't have ruled for very long and only as a regent. Um, the other one was uh, the king's youngest brother. Now, the king's youngest brother was the one who called his older brother, the one that nobody liked, rigid, charmless, and a bore. Um, and it was a wonderful description, truly. And this particular brother was quite well liked. And not only that, he was he was strong in in a different way. He was understanding. He was wise, wiser beyond his years, really. Um, he did not possess any military prowess. Uh, he was not. Um, um, he was not strong in the sense of uh, being some brawny character um, who could uh, joust or, uh, uh, well, take down knights in a fight or anything like that. But. He had strength of character and he had wisdom and he had a, a good heart 
and a gentle heart, though not gentle enough to um, not that gentle, so that others would uh, would not be afraid of him and or would look down on him. The only thing that uh, uh, people sniggered at behind his back was the fact that uh, he was. Uh, bedding uh, one of his uh, knights, but that's a different story. In any case, um, he was he was actually, again, a pretty good... Um, how should we, we put this? He was actually a pretty good candidate for the crown. Um, he, he was the golden middle in many ways. Um, he had enough, he had the sternness necessary to do what was right, and he had the wisdom to know what was right, um, or enough wisdom. He had the backing of great families. Um, he was the one who had, after the king died, he raised the largest army, uh, quite a bit larger than anyone else. Um, so he had many things going for him, and he would have made a good king. Yet, uh, through, you know, dark magic, blood magic, actually it was, um, well, blood magic is also dark magic, I guess, in some ways. Um, he he was murdered by um, his older brother, the one who was rigid charmless in a boar. So you could say, well, look at what happened. He wasn't such a, an upright person. He wasn't such a great person. He used the blood magic to do this. But he used it simply because he became convinced that... Um, um, he was the chosen one and uh, he was fighting the powers of darkness and um, he needed to do whatever it took to for him to uh, become king and to save the realm from everyone else and from darkness and from himself. But anyway, that does not excuse anything. He should have never done that. So obviously in the uh, Department of Wisdom um, itself, he was lacking uh, perhaps a little bit having been um, having allowed himself to be corrupted and to be tainted and to be um, bewitched, enraptured by such things. In any case, he would have still made, um, the older brother would have still made a better king than the young, well, the dead king's firstborn son, so-called firstborn son. So, the idea if you think about all of these things, really, if you think about all of these things, really, and you think about what started um, the chain reaction, because um, the the king died, and really what happened was that the, the hand of the king changed the wording in the document, um, and he wrote, until the rightful heir shall come um, of age. And he tried to seize power in the capital, but was betrayed, and so on and so forth. But he got involved, actively involved, because he knew, he knew that the, um, the king's sons were not truly his sons. And he was actively involved. And by doing that, he started the chain reaction. And what happened in the end was, as I mentioned, that the king's firstborn son, so-called, actually became the king. None of the others became king. Now, let's imagine what would have happened if nothing was done. If nothing was done. Well, let's think about this. Well... What happens next? If we if we simply allow nature, so to speak, to take its course, 
Now, what happened next was that um, uh, the king's uh, brother, the rigid one, um, he he raised an army to go to the capital and, uh, you know, take over, really. Because he believed it was his right and it was the right time for him. But before that, truly, or at the same time, more or less, the king's younger brother, the dead king's younger brother, yeah, we're talking about him, um, also raised an army because he was convinced that he would become a good king, and that would have probably been so. But these are all natural things. I mean, who's going to... Um, these are natural reactions in this case. Who's going to become... Who's going to replace the king? It's an absolute necessity that somebody should replace the king. So the fact that their brother, that he, yeah, his brothers, the dead king's brothers, took action is, is as necessary as breathing. Um, this this need um, is is like freedom. It's like air. You can't uh, you can't uh, extricate the world, um, the world or uh, people from it in such a situation. It's it's absolutely imperious. So we can think of this as a natural thing to do. Now, what was not entirely necessary and could have been avoided was what the hand of the king did, because he was a man of great honor and he believed in doing what's right and what was honorable every time, and he didn't want to inform the king on his deathbed of. Uh, what had happened truly. So he got involved and he wrote, changed the wording in the document that uh, basically um, instated the king, really, uh, the following king. So he did that and he paid the price for it. He died. For it, and he was betrayed for it, and so on and so forth. Um, and what happened next? Again, the two brothers fought. Again, necessary in many ways, absolutely natural. Um, it's it's a, um, sort of a characteristic of virtue of the world that, um, if we look at it through the lens of history, we understand that there is basically no way to avoid it. Truly. Um, people will vie for the right to rule. And it's because you need a ruler and the ruler has to also prove himself. And this is one way of proving yourself, truly. And it also, through this all this suffering and uh, hardship, um, you grow, just like all of us. So, again, something absolutely natural to do. And the younger brother eventually killed um, the... The older brother eventually killed the younger brother using blood magic and so on. Uh, and he, all his uh, bannermen, all the younger brother's bannermen flocked to the other brother's um, side and so on and so forth. So that's, that's really um, all fine and dandy at this point. Um, also, the queen's behavior was uh, absolutely um, understandable totally understandable. She wanted her son to become king and she didn't want anyone to find out uh, that uh, um, this son, this her sons had not been conceived with the, with the dead king, with who had, with her husband, really her, her late husband. 
So uh, again, she followed the natural rules, laws, whatever you want to call them. Um, these are things that drive us all. And um, many, unless we have um, an objective, absolutely objective perspective on life and on ourselves, really, unless we can, we can look at ourselves uh, from a truly impartial and objective uh, lens uh, through this truly impartial and objective lens. It's kind of like stepping out of your own body and um, floating somewhere high up above uh, everything and watching everything unfolding before you, not just on a local level, but all the way up to a universal cosmological level, really, you need to reach to gain the wisdom. And watching it unfold is a play before your eyes. And only then might you be able to um, acquire the necessary wisdom to be able to um, really uh, stop yourselves from doing these things which come as natural as breathing to all of us. So she did uh, the things that uh, our programming, so to speak, uh, uh, natural programming, uh, encouraged her to do strongly encouraged her to do so there was there's nothing to reproach there so, and what happened next really is incredibly interesting because the older brother attacked the capital and through some um uh well, intelligent tricks and ruses played by um, other characters. Uh, he was delayed for long enough and he lost a lot of his men um, uh, on landing next to the capital and so on. Um, so that eventually another army came from behind and defeated him. But he was incredibly close to conquering the, cap the capital. Incredibly close. And what would have happened then? He would have been a just king. He would have been a harsh king. Yes, stern, severe, if you want. Stark in many ways, if you want. Yes, of course. That's what he was. But he would have been a rightful, just king, despite everything else. He would have been a better king than the boy anyway. Now, if the other brother had lived and he would have... Um, conquer the capital the same thing we'd have had an even better king better than i was going to say his name now <laughs> but I, everyone knows it by now stannis right um better than stannis that's probably the case um so and much more liberal minded i would say <laughs> um and any but truthfully speaking if you look at things like this the thing that pops in my mind right away is, like I said, the propensities of nature and of life in general. These sort of predispositions and inclinations for things to happen in a, in a certain way. Because if the hand of the king had not acted the way he did, then what would have happened is that the older brother would have, wouldn't have believed that he was the rightful heir or his time has, had come simply because the hand of the king would not have informed him as he had done before dying that the two boys that the king's the dead king's sons were not his true born sons and then there would have been no war no this no that again the same person becomes king 
But eventually he became king anyway. Now, most likely, it's very likely that if the younger brother attacked the capital, he would have won, despite not being a great uh, general or anything like that, or a military man. But he would have probably won because he would have done it differently or whatever. He had um, he wasn't in such a hurry to become the chosen one, to prove him to himself that he was the chosen one, as uh, the priestesses had to, you know brainwashed him really um, to or had to beat it into his mind that he was the chosen one you know so in that case um, the true the the best choice would have um, been achieved really would have been accomplished because um, the younger brother would have become king and that's that's interesting. But see, what I what I notice here is that life has a sort of propensity for balance. And when you play with it, then you many times try, uh, go against the natural order of things in life. And therefore, life has to offer, uh, has to find a way to counter you and to... Um, sort of use extremer measures to reach some sort of balance because at the end of the day if Stannis had become king it would have been just in many ways it was it would have been balanced in many ways because simply from the perspective that you had an um, king who was mad about uh, drinking and whoring and who had uh, brought the realm to the brink of bankruptcy because, well, he needed money for the things he enjoyed and so on and so forth. And he didn't care about counting coppers and so on. And you had one who was stern, but rightful, righteous. Well, yes, righteous is the right term here as well. And he was just, and he would have set things straight. And he would have done some things that other people wouldn't have liked, of course, but things would have become better. Now, if the younger brother had become king, hmm, then the golden middle would have been achieved and some other even, perhaps even better way would have emerged for the, the realm to uh, start thriving. So either way, things would have become balanced, truly, one way or another. And see how, if you just let life uh, follow its own, and this is a story, really, but it, it's exactly as I heard um, a little while ago, this is sort of a, um, echoing some um, another quote that I um, I'm very fond of, and uh, that that is the one that artists um, use lies to tell the truth, and uh, through the, through the medium medium of lies, which actually means uh, creativity um, at the end of the day, fantasy. Um, you create something that is beneficial uh, to the readers, listeners, and uh, they will uh, gain knowledge and insight and wisdom from it. So 
we're actually talking about here a literal falseness, the fantasy part, but a metaphorical truth, truly. And um, that's exactly what artists use lies to tell the truth means at the end of the day. Well, returning to our discussion, the thing, like I said, it everything would have been balanced in one way or another. And because of the actions of some, some people who had the best intentions possible, they ended up um, with the worst possible outcome, which was um, that cruel, vile king um, who was incompetent and stupid and a bunch of other things on top. So that's truly um, an important bit to recognize, I, I would say, because um, this is a fantasy, but it, it reflects life. And um, once you start writing and creating a plot, it takes a, a life of its own, really, and you cannot really control it. So when you look at it, at it from that perspective, then it shows you that um, the way life um, tends to unfold, really, is um, towards balance, some sort of balance, really. And the more we meddle with it, um, the more life has to uh, find uh, countermeasures for us a lot of the time. So that's a truly um, interesting uh, you know, observation, I think, uh, because if you look at everything and everything that we do and the, how complicated many times our lives are and how tough everything is and how many things we have to contend with or at least try to contend with just to make our lives um, livable and uh, to be able to enjoy things. Well, it's no wonder given the fact that um, we're just we're messing and meddling with things so much that they are completely out of tune and harmony with the, the natural inclinations which tend towards balance and in a somewhat automatic way happiness um, because you can't have um, you know happiness without being at peace and having balance in your life so you need these things so therefore we we just need to look out there and observe life like um, people have been doing since ancient times and follow these sort of lines if we want to find true happiness um, and if we want to make our lives easier at least and we should all do it as a, as a species really not just uh, one or two of course it's beneficial if you just do it particularly I mean for you and your family but we should all try to do that. But, I mean, going deeper than this, in many ways, uh, a lot of people would say, well, this is doing nothing. When when you let the life run its course, you're doing nothing, truly. And in some ways, they're true. They're right. Though it's not truly so. Um, and most of the time, doing nothing is the most difficult thing to do. It's about accepting things as they truly are. And life throws things at you and says, let's see how you handle it. Many times, and you, you have no clue which way to go. And it's every way seems wrong. Every which way seems wrong. And in some, and it's those moments, you might be wise to just not make a choice and let things be and see whatever happens. Um, and then 
go with the flow at certain moments. But you are doing something, truly. Um, and I think um, 90% of uh, the wise men, so to speak, or um, that you, you know, or that you've heard of, that you listen to, that you admire, are the people who, uh, you know, have something to... Um, to relate to you, to convey to you, really. I think 90% of them would probably um, agree in some way or another that doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, though doing nothing is not really nothing at the end of the day, if especially look look at Buddhism you know, closely to see what nothing truly is. And I spoke about that in a previous episode. Um, but you're not truly doing nothing in that case. You're just doing the things that... Um, you noticed to bring balance um, in nature. So you're doing something. You're not necessarily um, performing a physical action, but that's, that doesn't mean you're not doing something. Mentally, spiritually, uh, you're making a choice. That's an action. Though you cannot see it or you cannot touch it and it's not material, and that's why we, we, we have so much trouble with it, um, I guess. But you are doing something. So this is not the point about doing nothing, but even if you were to look at it as doing nothing, as long as you let things um, balance themselves, then, you know, that's probably a good choice. Um, in many ways, you can help things along, but try not to help them too much because you're probably going to end up uh, achieving something completely different than what you set out, which was to find balance. Let's um, try to apply this to our current predicament, really, our current situation, because I actually um, <laughs> did um, recorded uh, two long rants on uh, the COVID-19 situation and crisis, um, which, you, um, which is two more than I had planned to, <laughs> really. Um, but if you think about all these things. I've mentioned a lot of different things there, and I've I've given people links to um, I've given people links to um, all sorts of um, truth seekers, so to speak, or all sorts of people who are telling us um, and who are explaining us when we have done the research and who are showing us that look, there are people out there who are trying to control us. There's a they're trying to. Um, brainwash us this this has been going on for like 60 70 years that's not the point but they're they're, they're trying to use this fear to um, keep us uh, locked away so we can't uh, we can't see what's going on and we can't uh, take uh, any measures and they're trying to institute um, the totalitarian global um, system and so on they're they're trying to um, well, take away any bit of freedom or um, intrinsic rights that we may have. They're trying to um, make us as weak and as fearful as possible and so on and so forth. And there's so many, so much of this going on. And there's people finally, um, there were many places who are starting to understand and protest and doing things in their own way. And that's wonderful. But sometimes when I think about this, because I had this wonderful, wonderful discussion with one of my students um, the other day, and despite our many differences, um, I never thought when before we finished the discussion that I would actually come to uh, see or look at what she said in such a positive way. Um, it, it, I, I never thought it would be quite so insightful because I was trying to make her understand that um, this is truly important, um, despite the fact that uh, 
from a metaphysical standpoint, nothing is really all that important. And whatever happens, you got to look at it from the big picture and so on and so forth. But this is important for us as as um, as spiritual beings who are having a human ex- uh, human experience. This is truly important for us as our um, our. Um, it's, you might say it's our megalomania. Mm, yeah, it's our megalomania um, for um, enlarging ourselves and looking at our history, really, because it's not all that important, the grand scheme of things. But in any case, it is important nowadays, and the things that are, that happen will will affect not just us, but generations to come. And there will be horrible consequences if what we and other people have been talking about I and other people and um, truly comes to happen in the global totalitarian system and all this and all that the sort of um, Orwellian uh, uh, sort of Orwellian future um, mixed with the Huxleyan future really that uh, they wrote about uh, quite some time ago, and it will be similar but different as well. But if these things come to happen, um, the repercussions and the ramifications will be enormous for a very long time. Yet, if you think about uh, this, what has brought this about? I mean, if you go down deep enough and you, you don't look at the symptoms, but you look at the causes, well, we did, of course. We always do. I mean, but what exactly about us? What have we done or not done? What have we lost? What have we forgotten? And when you look at that, when you look at that, um, you find that what would occur if that totalitarian system um, came to be is that there would be a lot of suffering and for a long time and misery, and probably irreparable uh, consequences. Um, Yet, we've chosen this path ourselves because um, we've stepped away from um, our um, (laughs) spiritual guidance we stepped away from the insightfulness and the knowledge and the wisdom of nature and of the world and of the ancients and everything that it was gathered in um, in in thousands and thousands of years but even more so in the billions of years since the universe started we stepped away from that and we said we are we're, we're becoming our own gods we're doing our own things we're not uh, doing that and we we stopped understanding the meaning of suffering and of of those things that are not necessarily um, so pleasant yet absolutely necessary um, and that drive us to develop. And this student of mine told me about the people who lived during communism and worse times and who were imprisoned and for such a long time. And they found peace in there and they wrote these books and they found a mean they gave a meaning to their suffering and we should all find a way to do that because we're all going to suffer and there are always going to be tragedies in life but finding a meaning in your suffering will drive you forward to develop to achieve to learn to become more than what you are instead of being allowing yourself to be um, swallowed up by the uh, bitterness and hatred and loathing of, of it all and becoming resentful and horrible and a maniac, really.
So they they achieved this, and through this suffering, they managed to achieve it. And they they in retrospect, if these people writing their books said all in unison that they would have never gotten to that point had it not been for those things happening in their lives. And those were the times when, especially when religion was banned, that religion actually thrived. And I'm talking about religion because religion is a sort of a spiritual guide in many ways. And it is necessary despite all the bad things that it brings along. So truthfully speaking, if we did nothing, which is something, actually, uh, by the way. We might get what we've, um, what life has in store for us. We might uh, reap what we sowed. We might reap what we sow, really. But it might drive us to regain what we've lost willingly lost and left behind and banished and so on and so forth with our progressive thinking and our measures and so on and so forth. And how much of this world is totally bastardized and marred and corrupted and vile and rank and poisonous, really. And all these things will eventually be laved. They will be washed away through that great suffering and fire. So if we did nothing, eventually that would happen. And overall, that would be better. Because nature is not concerned with the well-being of one generation or of another, but with the evolution and the survival of the species and of everything that is within it. So in many ways, perhaps, despite the fact that I made all those I made those two episodes and I encourage people mostly to think for themselves and to make the right choices and so on and so forth and to not be blind, not to blindly follow, you know, uh, the measures instituted by some um, obviously corrupt and um, people who don't don't have and have never had uh, uh, their interest at heart, really. So despite all of that, I'm also contemplating or talking about this idea that perhaps we could just, um, let's say, find uh, find it within ourselves to do that something that we cannot see or feel that is not concrete, but that um, would, mm, would have perhaps an even greater impact if we have the strength for it, because I'm not saying these things should happen and I'm not saying we should allow these things to be and uh, this totalitarian system to be instituted and uh, things to, and for us to be purged through the suffering and fire and to reemerge better at the end. But if it happened, well, if it happened, because in many ways, like in George, Um, George Martin's story, the more you take action, despite your best intentions, the worse the outcome will be. Even though it may seem that a great disaster has been averted, at least temporarily. It's just some food for thought, as always. Something to keep in mind. Something to um, perhaps unravel the mysteries of life or the ways of life to show you this. And I, I chose this story in particular because it has such... It 
has such a great impact on people. It's had such a great impact on people. And because people can relate to it so easily. And it's a wonderful way of looking at the world, really, through the medium of stories in general. It's it's always magnificent and the most radiant and splendid of things. But if only we looked in there, truly looked in there with our hearts and we would see the world as it truly is and we'd gain so much wisdom and understanding. And with that being said, thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time.